0: Activia helps support a healthy gut. Your gut is where it all begins. Leia
1: Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry.
0: Hello and welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, with groups of up to 15 people now able to train outdoors, people are getting back into exercise, getting fit, and getting back on track. There'll be lots of common injuries that are going to be coming up in terms of from team sports and on a personal level over the course of the next couple of weeks. So I thought it would be great to get someone on the show who knows all about that and who'll tell us absolutely everything that we need to know. I'm delighted to be joined by Chartered Physio with Tiberary GAA and sports broadcaster Lauren Guilfoyle. Lauren, welcome to Real Health. How are you?
1: Good, good. Thanks so much for having me.
0: We're delighted to have you on. So tell us a bit more about yourself. First of all, we want to get to know you a little bit first and then we'll go into all the injuries and all the technical stuff (laughs) they're going to tell us about too. But um, tell us about what you do. Yeah, so I'm
1: a chartered physiotherapist. I graduated from the University of Limerick back in 2016, so not all that long ago. I, uh, it was four years since my graduation this week, actually. Um, so I suppose over the last four years, I've tried to carve out a career in sports physiotherapy. Um, that's a huge passion of mine. It's always been my ambition, I suppose, to work as a sports physiotherapist, uh, specifically given my upbringing here in East Clare. We're kind of hurling mental down in, in this part of the world. Um, so I started my career out in Dublin and then I spent the last three years working in Tipperary. So at the moment I work with Tip GA. so it can typically be quite busy at this time of year but obviously it's a little bit different um, over the last couple of months. So yeah sports physio is kind of my thing at the moment and um, really really enjoying it. Um, I'm definitely only kind of I suppose starting out in my career and have a lot to learn but um, I'm enjoying it all the same.
0: And sport, it's a huge area, the, the sports in terms of team sports, and especially with all the GAA at the moment. Why physiotherapy? Why was that something you wanted to do?
1: Um, so, like, I think it was since I was maybe 11 or 12 years of age when I decided I wanted to be a physio. And I think that came from a couple of different factors. So, I was basically reared on the side of a GEA pitch and um, my family here in Clare would be synonymous with GEA and hurling especially so my dad would have always trained different teams and my brother would have been playing with Clare up along the different age grades so I was always dragged along to a match or a training session um, and I suppose within that environment um, it, the it, if I wanted a role I suppose in a, in a male dominated environment it had to be something like a physio or a doctor so I suppose that's what kind of piqued my interest in early days and then throughout my teenage years I had some back trouble myself and I would have been brought to different physiotherapists and I suppose they had somewhat of a of an influence on my um, inspiration to go on to study physiotherapy and I just had an obsession as well with the human body and I always wanted to know how how it worked and how we could I suppose rehab and um, back from injury um, and improve quality of life so I definitely have my biology teacher in uh, secondary school just to thank for that um, so yeah there was a, do- a couple of different factors and I suppose I, I always wanted to work in sports so it definitely was one avenue that I could go down um, and it just so happened to work out
0: and you work with the Tipperary hurling minors and um, what are the most common type of injuries that you're seeing
1: Definitely varies um, different parts of the season. I suppose um, it's probably the, the the most important factor there, and the different types of training that that is going on at different parts of the season. So maybe early earlier in the season, where there's a lot of physical training, a lot of hard running, and um, a lot of conditioning work. That's where we're seeing maybe some overuse or overtraining injuries, and it's definitely a fine line. And um, working with the SNC coaches, trying to um, I suppose structure the training session where you're getting the most out of the players and you're uh, building their conditioning but also not overdoing it either and that's kind of where I have to come in and maybe um have a chat with the management and try to maybe slow down some of the the training scheduling that's going on and um, so I suppose early days overuse injuries such as patellar tendinopathies achilles tendinopathies and um, maybe some groin related issues and then I suppose as the year progresses and the, and the ground hardens up and I suppose lads are more engaged in hurling drills and, and ball play a ball um ball drills that it would be more stability issues so you're looking at knee ligament injuries ankle ligament injuries um, and then you're looking at contact injuries like dead legs
0: and I suppose you know people have been sitting up and uh, training at home for the last four months and now you know groups of 15 people back training a lot of gyms are back working outdoors which is great lots of clubs around the country are back in all different sports the high performance guys are back as well is there anything that our listeners should look out for if they are going back into a team sport environment, having having rested up or not trained quite as hard? Because everyone will be full of beans, full of energy, full of excitement to get back going. Which, you know, I would imagine that comes and that increases the risk of injury.
1: Absolutely. And I think that there's a couple of factors there. So we're all going to be raring to go. We all want to get back out into the pitches and into collective team group training. But as he said, the training that we've been engaged in over the last number of months, so about three months at this stage, it hasn't been at the same intensity. And it also hasn't, and um, we haven't been training in the same way. So a lot of GEA players, um, while typically would be involved in like a multi directional contact sport um, of high intensity, they've all adapted to being five intensity. 10K runners over the last three months uh, so I suppose over the next couple of weeks and in the next couple of months they are going to be transitioning back into a multi-directional game and they haven't uh, or, or they will need to adapt back into that type of movement again so I suppose over the next couple of weeks um, I'm, I'm pleading with um, GA players around the country to start thinking about that to maybe cut down in the amount of mileage that, that, that they are doing think about adding in accelerations decelerations high speed running um, and adding in multi directional running as well because these are the types of uh, movements that they will be exposed to during training sessions and during matches um, and we need to get the body to, to start to adapt to that type of stimulus um, and I suppose like over the last number of weeks and months there's been numerous webinars and um, considering there's nothing to do in the evening or there hasn't been over the last while so I'm really hoping coaches have, have used this time to upskill as well because obviously um, they are the ones that are going to be setting out the agenda for training over the next couple of weeks. And with the first couple of weeks being completely I suppose, f- physical training based, we're not going to have contact and uh, that it's important that we do that in, in a safe manner and we don't suddenly spike our training load and look at injuries such as Achilles these patellar tendinopathies, among other different issues.
0: Yeah. And do you think the fact that you know there were coaches around the country who would have been you know dying to get back uh, training and get back you know we're getting ready for matches and stuff again? Do you think there's a chance that they may be pushing teams a little bit too hard too early, and that they should you know ease them back in gradually, depending on what kind of work the teams have been doing over the course of the last four months?
1: Absolutely. Like they should definitely be easing players back in over the next couple of weeks, and I suppose like in, in these next two weeks before as was collective training can resume on pitches, it's maybe getting in and I was setting a training agenda for the players at home maybe tracking their training loads something very simple like their rpe by their time training and just i suppose see where the players are at so that when you actually get back out into the pitch in two weeks time that you can i suppose hit the ground running but at a level that is appropriate to, to that group at that time and i suppose and, and another kind of fear i have is that over the past couple of weeks and months players have consistently been training because i suppose it was quite an uncertain time players didn't know if a championship was going to occur and if it was how much of a lead up would they have and I suppose from a psychological point of view as well it's trying to find the motivation um, now or to, or to keep that consistently over the next couple of weeks and months as they actually do have competition and training and then I suppose when you're looking to the inter-county game as well to now have to face into all that preparation all that championship period with their club and then back into inter-county and then they're straight back into inter-county for 2021 after that so that there's a lot to um, a lot to consider and I suppose um, from a psychological point of view, that's kind of what inspired my interest in, in going back to study sports psychology is kind of looking at the player holistically and not just looking at the, the injured knee or the injured ankle and to look at the person behind that as well.
0: Yeah, presumably it's very difficult for people, you know, not just JA players, but anyone listening in who gets injured. It's a, it's a terribly difficult time because you want to go and do the exercise that you love to do. There's an issue and an injury obviously preventing you from doing that. So the psychology component of how to stay mentally well and stay mentally focused is really, really important to getting back on track as quickly as possible.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So like when we look at the athletic identity, especially with athletes that um, I suppose that sport is their life, not being able to actually engage in that activity can, can be quite, um, what's the word, I suppose, just horrible in terms of a sensation or an emotion and and so to suddenly have that taken away from you and to be taken away from that social group as well and um, it can be quite difficult and i suppose it, it, it's about trying to find new meaning in this new period of rehabilitation and for some people it can be quite short and for some people it can be quite long um, and i suppose the, the the key to that is to to try and identify new goals to immerse yourself in a social group where you can and where it's appropriate and um, but that is different for everyone and i suppose like it's something that I'm only starting to learn about um I'm only I suppose a couple of months into my masters at the minute but it definitely is a is, is a huge interest interesting part for me um, because I I do see players struggle and it's it isn't even just GA players as you mentioned um even back when I was working full-time in private practice trying to tell someone that they can't go out at the weekend and do that 17 mile run even if the, the marathon is a couple of months away it's really difficult i suppose or it, it, it's it's difficult for them to accept and it's hard for me to i suppose dictate what they can and can't do so i suppose trying to develop the psychological coping skills as well as a huge part to rehab and, and making rehab successful
0: yeah and as part of that rehab people you know sometimes rush through the rehab a little bit and they go back training or running or whatever their sport is a little bit too quickly when is a really good time to know uh, when you should go back or is there a steadfast rule with regards to when you're ready to go back obviously getting physio advice is crucial but for those who maybe who haven't got that physio you know the second appointment they may go for the one appointment and then go back is there any kind of way of really knowing when a good time to go back training or whatever that whatever your sport is after an injury
1: I suppose it varies from injury to injury, and I suppose it varies from sport to sport as well. So, an ankle injury in maybe a five k recreational runner, you might see a return to running much quicker than you'll see a return to play for a Kamogi player because the demands that you're going to place upon that joint are somewhat different. Uh, so, it, it, it's probably not a, an answer that I can give that's quite general. Um, but you have to really zone in on, on the activity that you want to go back into and see if you progressively increase your tolerance to the loads that are placed upon that joint within that activity so it really really varies but I suppose it it is a case of building up tolerance to different stresses um, and maybe kind of stepping away from the just rest for a couple of weeks and see how we get on the body does need stimulus to adapt and to be able to withstand different loads and different stresses in the body Um, so I suppose a little bit of advice definitely would help in terms of uh, planning and and directing that rehab Uh, but yeah it's definitely definitely about trying to progress what you're doing slowly and steadily um, and trying to get to some a a decent level maybe 89% of what you should expect to be able to do before even attempting to go back into that activity
0: great advice fantastic one question I when I knew you were coming on I wanted to ask you something I see with friends more than clients but certainly lots of friends who go to physios they go for that first appointment they'll be given homework to do uh, and they very rarely do it or they might do it for the first couple of days and they don't do it after that. Have you any tips for people who are listening in who maybe go, have gone through that as well? It's very, I think it's very commonplace where they don't continue to do the physio homework for you know a prolonged period of time. Is there any ways to you know work it into your day or timing or anything around that or maybe just pick certain exercises to do so that you do keep the physio homework up for the long term?
1: Yeah, it's definitely a problem. <laughs> the patients coming back in, and I'm kind of like, am I a magician? Like, you know. Um, but I think there's a certain amount of responsibility that actually has to go back onto the physiotherapist in that situation. And um, a huge part of my practice is education and explaining absolutely everything that I'm doing, obviously in an accessible manner and in a manner that's going to be easily understood. And um, but explaining the the issue itself, the injury, uh, the structures that are at fault, and then explaining why I'm actually including this exercise and how I see that exercise progressing in terms of difficulty Um, and then I suppose explaining how this particular exercise can adapt or change the structure that's injured um, in order to get back to the to to the activity that the person wants to engage in so I really do think that there is a huge responsibility back on the actual physiotherapist in that regard and then when it comes to the athlete or the patient themselves um, if all of that has been covered and and they very much are aware of what they should be doing and why they should be doing it I think a a good idea would be to link it to a different activity in your day so if you always have a cup of tea and a biscuit at seven o'clock watching whatever maybe set aside that at the ad break of that that you're doing your exercise And then after that break or after that program that you're doing your exercises again. So link it to an activity that's already an integral part of your day. Um, And I suppose it'll, it'll it'll mean that you won't forget about it hopefully. Um, And also as well, maybe uh, monitoring your progress. So if you were told to do maybe six, repetitions of a bicep curl maybe track that each day and you, you'll start to see that that you're able to do more your capacity for doing more is increasing and also you can see that well i've done it for the last four and five days so i don't want to stop now i want to do it every day th- this week um so i think monitoring your progress is, is is a really um helpful tool
0: you're listening to real health with me carl henry in association with Leia healthcare of course, the more physio homework that you do, and the more you adhere to it, the quicker you're going to go back playing your sport or your your, your recreation or whatever it is. People always, seem, I always, think it's really funny because people seem to forget that. Um, <laughs> We've chatted lots about sports, about Gaelic and stuff like that. Now I want to take it back to, I suppose, our listeners and the normal things that I that I would see. So if I do a Q&A on Instagram, which, which I tend to do every weekend, we get loads and loads of questions in. And on every question I respond to, go and see a physio, ask a physio, book a physio appointment. I am not a physio. But every time we do it, we get tons of questions and a lot of the questions are quite similar so um, i'm taking note over the last couple of weeks of a few of them one that comes up all the time is shin splints and i thought we that'd be a really good place to start in terms of normal things that 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 we would see on a regular basis outside of gaelic and outside maybe of sports for the regular walker or runner so let's chat a little bit about that and what people can do if they do have them
1: so shin splints, it it's the technical term for it, I suppose is medial tibial stress syndrome, and it's basically where the surface of the bone is is a little bit inflamed, and or the actual surface of the bone there would be a stress injury present, and that would occur as a result of a. a an increase in training load. Typically, now there obviously is a couple of other variations of how that might actually um present, but this typically occurs when a, a person has suddenly increased their training load, uh, and that could have uh, come as a result of maybe doing an extra two runs a week for whatever reason, uh, for changing the surface. Um, not to say now that the roads are a bad surface, just it's a change in surface, and um, and potentially change in footwear. Uh, there's, there's numerous different factors that that can actually. Uh, result in an increased training load and if we increase our training load by more than kind of 15 to 20 percent in a week uh, that can actually start to cause more than just this was micro damage on the surface of the bone so micro damage is quite normal for us to get stronger for our bones to get stronger for our tendons and our muscles to actually get stronger we do need to actually put some tiny little tears and a tiny bit of damage in those structures the body comes along heals those little tears and it makes that structure stronger so this happens after every training session that we do if it's appropriately designed uh, but if we start to progress too quickly uh, too soon we start to increase uh, include more runs in our week that our body I suppose hasn't yet adapted to those tiny little tears become bigger tears or they become bigger fractures or or, or bigger issues on the surface of the bone and they aren't allowed to heal so if you go out for a run tonight and um, you give yourself tomorrow off but you go for another run the next day you give yourself a night off and, and I suppose you, you aren't giving the body time to adapt to that stimulus in between we can start to see this inflammation start to build up and um, and um, the unfortunately kind of what typically happens is you take a couple of days off so you take a week off the pain's gone great so I have to make up now for the, the couple of runs that I miss, and you're back out again three and four nights in a week and um, so I suppose the, the really important factor to, to to note when it comes to shin splints um, is that we need to deload we need to take our body weight off the, the road or wherever we we we're, we're, we're running over the past week or so let that pain settle right back down that we're able to walk pain-free is, is number one if we can't walk we can't run um, and then we need to slowly build up our training load again so we're not progressing more than 20% in a week and this was a very simple um Uh, explanation of that is if we do one kilometer this week we shouldn't do more than 1.2 kilometers next week and so this is very very um different for each person so what you might be able to do i might not be able to tolerate and so again it goes back to monitoring writing down what we're doing maybe using a different app map my run whatever it might be Um, and then slowly increasing and that will allow our body to adapt to that stimulus and should hopefully get over the issue of the shin spin. And I think a really important uh, phrase that I heard a couple of years ago at a conference was that we can't rub ourselves out of an issue that we moved ourselves into. Um, So it's really important that we actually adapt how we're moving and, and use movement to actually adapt our body. We can't just go for a massage. We can't just hop on the phone roller for these types of issues. If we moved our way into them, we need to adapt and change our move back to square
0: one fantastic that's the best advice on shin splints i've ever come across so <laughs> i'm going to send everyone to listen to this podcast when, when they ask for a question in future which is great um over the course of the last couple of months obviously people are working from home they're not at their normal desk with their normal seat and their normal monitor or laptop or whatever so we've had a lot of people come um emailing and and, and uh, doing dms and stuff with back pain from sitting you know working from home Chat to us a little I know it's a very broad question and a very you know it's very broad, but chat to us a little bit about that maybe with people who are working from home in mind in terms of maybe desk setup or things they can do to loosen their lower back out if it is getting tight over the course of the workday now that they're working from home.
1: I suppose the first thing that we need to figure out is, is what's causing the back pain um, because obviously the, the, there are a load of different diagnoses and um, one very common diagnosis in about 80 to 90 percent of back pain is what we call non-specific low back pain um, and this can r- occur as a result of sensitivity building up in, in the lower back and that can occur as a result of um, a period of immobility so as you mentioned sitting at home sitting down quite a bit more and um, this can just cause an increase in sensitivity in the lower back and things that wouldn't have aggravated us or hurted us and now are now that's not to say that uh, pain equals injury and when it comes to the back typically that isn't the case in some in some cases it it is but in the vast majority it isn't and so I suppose it's really trying to set aside time to bring movement back into the back so we have um Loads of different vertebrae in our back, and um, they all need to be moved uh, individually each day, so that we're not just sitting in one solitary position. So the likes of yoga, the likes of Pilates, are fantastic, um to bring mobility back into the back, um, and it's very easy to follow uh, videos and tutorials on that online. Uh, when it comes to the actual desk setup itself, um. I- I suppose it's it's not sitting in one position for a long period of time. That's probably the the very basic um, explanation of it. So every hour, every 40 minutes, maybe set a reminder on your clock or on your watch, just get up, move around. Even if it's just walking downstairs to get a glass of water, you're adding a little bit of mobility into the back. The muscles, they are, our muscles are contractile structures. They're meant to get longer and get shorter. And there's meant to be an increase in blood flow and a decrease in blood flow. Uh, so it, it's about kind of putting the muscles through those through those different states, if we're sitting in one position, we're not stretching or we're not lengthening the muscles. We're not encouraging additional blood flow to the area. Um, so we kind of are creating a situation or an environment for tightness to come into the back. Um, and that can be quite uncomfortable. And I think that's a huge factor when it comes to back pain. If we have tight back muscles, it can be quite uncomfortable and we get fearful of that. Um, and it's it's not something that we should be fearful of, but I know that's easy for me to say as someone um, who's obviously studied this area. Uh, so I suppose trying to move a little and move often Is probably the best advice I can give with regards to
0: that. Another question we get a lot is around injury prevention and kind of recovery methods and the best way to recover after exercise, no matter what the exercise is. What are your recommendations around that?
1: So, for recovery, about 99% of the things that we can do to positively benefit recovery are free. We don't need to go out and spend money on this type of fad and this whatever type of fad is, is stylish at, at, at the moment a good training plan is absolutely key so kind of that harks back to what I was saying when it comes to let's say preventing shin splints um or even over the next couple of weeks as we return to collective team sport a really smart training plan and again I know that's easy for me to say so if that's something that you don't feel comfortable doing to contact your local physiotherapist or your local SNC coach, and they can help you with that. Um, so to structure your week in a way that actually allows for re- like actual physical, structural recovery um, of both our muscles um, and our bones, our musculoskeletal system. So that's definitely key if we haven't nailed that. Um, we are kind of fighting the tide in, in, in some regards. Sleep is hugely important. That's when our healing actually occurs. Um, so obviously the, there's different recommendations per each age group. Um, um, but getting the maximum amount of sleep to aid recovery and also our diet, uh, water intake, these types of things that are quite, I suppose, easily accessible if we know what to do. Then when it comes to the likes of foam rollers, um, stretching, massage, to be honest, there isn't, there isn't a huge body of work that actually suggests that there's a substantial benefit from these types of things. And... Um, they are kind of the the one percent. If you've nailed everything else, if your training training load is is, is decent, if your sleep is decent, if your diet is, is on point, that's when we can start to think about adding things in like foam rolling and stretching and these massage guns that seem to be absolutely everywhere. And um, we see elite athletes using these types of um, equipment. And I suppose they're they're in that position because they have that ninety nine percent under control, and they kind of suppose, have the the funding or the, or the back. To to look into these recovery boots and ice uh, ice machines and all these different um, types of equipment. So I suppose maybe to not look directly at them for advice um, on recovery. They're they're unfortunately at probably a different level than the typical recreational athlete. Um, so to go back to your uh, to your question, training load, sleep, and diet is key when it comes to recovery
0: fantastic great to know um let's bring it back to yourself now so in terms of the future uh, you've got your psychology uh masters that you're doing and you also do some sports broadcasting as well you know tell us a bit about that
1: yeah so um I, I suppose it, it's more digital media and social media that, that I work in um and that's kind of evolved over the last couple of years um it was never like a lifelong goal of mine but as I mentioned earlier kind of sport is my life and I suppose I kind of want to attack it from all different angles um, I find it the the mindset of high performance athletes really interesting so I've, I'm trying to kind of get in at all angles um, so yeah over the last couple of years I've combined a couple of different loves of mine and social media is one of those I think it's it's amazing how we can access um, so many different people in some many different parts of Ireland and, and indeed the world um, so I've really honed my skills when it comes to social media so I've actually started to kind of report on games through social media and um, which is pretty new when it comes to the Irish uh, sports media landscape. And I've been working with the Camogie Association um, across last year's championship. And the plan was to cover this year's as well. But we'll see what happens. Um, see, so yeah, I'm thoroughly enjoying that. It is busy, um, especially when I'm kind of coming off the pitch on a Saturday, maybe at a Camogie match, and I'm back on the pitch on a Sunday with Tipperary. And um, my, my summers can be quite busy. So I actually have welcomed to break <laughs> over the last while
0: and if people want to find out more about you where can they find you
1: uh so yeah social media twitter um twitter or instagram is probably the, the best bet i'm lauren guilfoyle on twitter at lauren guilfoyle i'm at lauren underscore guilfoyle on instagram um so that's kind of i suppose where you can follow me for physio advice um i tend to throw up some physio q a's from time to time again have the same issue at times going please go to your local physio i can't assess you over an instagram dm um but i try to i suppose educate there as well that's kind of most important to me is um education is key i think and if you can if you can give education to your followers you're you're empowering them as well so yeah instagram and twitter is where you can find me
0: fantastic lauren gailful thank you so much for joining us on real health today fantastic advice and our listeners will gain a huge amount from it so much appreciated folks i really hope you enjoyed that episode of real health with me carl henry in association with Leia healthcare as ever you know where we are it's real health at independent.ie at carl henry pt on twitter and on instagram have a fantastic week recover well and apply any of that advice to any injuries that you may have we'll see you next week for another episode of real health have a great week it's so the longer full
1: Leia Healthcare. Looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry.